This Stars Pod, I asked you guys four questions that were non-toy related, and you gave me some awesome ones. This could be our very best Q&A ever. So, let's dive in. Gary Arnold, would you consider changing the Night of the Slice fan group from public to closed? Um, I The fan group is actually not run by me. I am an admin on it, but it was started by a couple different fans and is maintained by them. Um, I do think at a certain point we're going to be so big that we will have to change to closed. So far, we don't have like a lot of uh, spam and, and trolls, so we're in a pretty good way. And hopefully we can keep it like that for the immediate future. But I, I do think at some point, as fan bases grow larger, there does need to be a sort of uh, sieve there to kind of catch debris and detris. Um, moving on, Eric Searles. Uh, what are your favorite types of pets? Ever had a snake or thought of getting one? We have 28. Uh, Eric, that is, that seems to be an excessive amount of snakes, but if it makes you happy, then I'm happy for you. Uh, I'm a dog guy. Uh, I love dogs. I've always had dogs. My parents bred dogs on the side as a hustle. Um, I, uh, I, we currently have two dogs running around here. We're watching somebody else's dog. Um, I've also become, surprisingly, a cat person. Uh, I am deathly allergic to cats, uh, but my girlfriend has a cat, and he's the sweetest boy in the world, and it really changed my tune on cats. If you can find one with a great temperament, they're really fantastic pets, and they need so little care. It's kind of like a houseplant, and that's pretty awesome. Juan Escalante says, hey, Nong man, question mark. Uh, my reply to that would be, hey, Nong man, exclamation point. Gabriel Barragen says, what kind of vehicle do you drive? Uh, we have a secondhand, uh, I forget what it's called, PDX, something like that. It's, the, it's basically the Honda CRV, but made by Acura. It's a very modest, uh, you know, very low entry sort of, um, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know what you call those. Uh, not really an off-road vehicle, but I, what do you call these? You know, they're four doors, they got a hatchback, you can put the seats down. I'm very bad at cars, obviously. Um, yeah, that's what we have. It's a, a pretty good car for navigating dirt roads and icy roads and steep hills and mountains, which is what we are surrounded by. Um, so, uh, you know, that's it. No reason to spend big on a car. There are bigger things to uh, waste my money on. Jason Decker asked a very great question, which reminds me of an anecdote I want to tell for Father's Day. I'll get to that at the end of this episode. He says, first comic book. Um, so the first comic book, I, I, I can't actually determine which came first, but it was one of two. It was a Iron Man annual that had him teaming up with Dr. Doom and going back in time to Camelot. And I bought that because I found a Secret Wars Iron Man in the gutter of the barn on our house. And I didn't know who Iron Man was. I thought he was a bad guy. And then I went to the video bookcase, which was the local rental store, and they had an Iron Man comic, so I bought it to try to learn who this character was. Um, I also have a very distinct memory of having one of the Archie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the one where Leatherhead is introduced, and I remember loving that comic 
because Leatherhead's character's name was Jesse. And um, I think that might have been a little bit later, but the first comic I actually paid for with my own money. So it's, uh, it's one of those two. Um, Lucas Ward, should I invest in a 401k when my outlook on the future is so bleak? Uh, I don't blame you for having a bleak outlook on the future. I think that's a perfectly normal symptom of being fully aware of the world we live in. Um, I don't think a 401k is important if you're not above the MPC, which is the marginal propensity to consume. Basically, the theory of MPC is if you give somebody $1, are they going to spend that dollar or is that dollar going to go into savings? Most people live uh, on the other side of the MPC where they will spend that dollar. They need to spend that dollar. Uh, if you are on the other side of the MPC and you would put that $1 into savings, then it's kind of a good time to start thinking about 401ks. Um, you know, you get a maximum deduction. I think it's five grand. It might be a little bit higher under this administration that you can put away tax-free, and that money is uh, sort of earning value. Uh, I like using Acorns. They have uh, 401ks. They have IRAs. They have, uh, I think... Stock investing as well. Might be mutual funds. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're in a position where you have a little bit extra money, I definitely think uh, buying stocks is a good thing to learn. I think having a 401k is good. I think just having actual cash in hand is very good. Um, you know, these are all, uh, you want to diversify for sure. And that's been my investment update. Cliffy Cheetah says, which is better, Nintendo or Sega? Um, I think overall, long-term, Nintendo is better. But I think Sega is cooler and achieved more. And specifically, I'm going to pick Sega here because of Shikan the Forever Man, which debuted on Sega Genesis many years ago. And uh, you guys will learn at Toy Pizza Con why that has significance for me. Chris Sola says, what movies help inspire your ideas and what movies do you avoid taking ideas from in order to avoid contamination? Um, I like this idea of avoiding contamination and I can think of one specific thing I haven't done, um, but it's not a movie, it's a book. I think there's a book called, I, I might be getting this mixed up, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, I want to say. And I haven't read it, but somebody told me that the premise of this book, and maybe I'm, I might be confusing one of his titles. I, I don't know if I have it right. But uh, somebody told me that the premise is that the main character is a pizza delivery guy in the future. And I thought that was so fucking awesome, but so very close to the idea, uh, obviously, of Knights of the Slice. So I've sort of purposefully avoided reading that book, even though it sounds right up my alley. But I... I know he's extrapolated that concept into a much better story than I ever could. So I, I sort of have avoided that like the plague, uh, even though I very much want to want to read it. But I know it's going to, like Chris said, contaminate my thinking on Knights of the Slice. Um, in terms of what movies inspire my ideas, uh, I think when I was younger, I would just have direct inspirations from films. I think Rex Gannon is really like, uh, he's part of, you know, the 80s uh, buff action hero movies like Rambo and Commando and Predator, uh, but also like 
some of the 90s movies like Con Air or the Michael Bay films. Um, as I get older, I tend to sort of go deeper and more obscure for inspiration points, um, which sounds insufferable and snobby, but it's true. So things like uh, the original Solaris, which is kind of a drab black and white lo-fi sci-fi movie, um, that's been very inspirational to me because I, I feel like there's notes and themes in those older movies that aren't being regurgitated in pop culture. Uh, especially like Akira Kurosawa's films, like Ran is a great one, um, that very inspirational in terms of color palette and how nature is used to show movement. Um, Ran also directly inspired Ryan Johnson with The Last Jedi, which becomes very apparent if you watch Ran and then see this sort of throne room fight. Um, so I think in, in terms of movie, I tend for inspiration, I tend to go obscure, foreign language, um, usually older, usually things without CGI. And I kind of hone in on what the tome is. What is the, the mood or the feeling that's conveyed in those films? And then how can that sort of inform my work? I, I find that to be a better way than kind of looking at a Marvel film and, and going, oh, wow, I, I'm going to make an Iron Man color scheme. Lucas Ward asks, how will the incoming financial meltdown affect all of our hobbies and lives? Um, I, I tend to agree with Lucas's bleak outlook on life that there is definitely a financial crash coming. Um, I think the tariff situation is probably going to be more impactful in the short term on our hobby. I think companies are going to go out of business, smaller companies. Um, hopefully I can weather the storm. I feel pretty confident in that, but we'll see. Um, I think also it's important to look at toys and action figures and collecting as a luxury pursuit. There is nothing uh, crucial in collecting action figures that help us survive. It is purely a luxury product. And I think if you can look at the hobby through those lenses, it diffuses a lot of the anxiety people have about collecting or being completists which ultimately are not very healthy impulses and, and eventually learn to burn out, lead to burnout and people dropping the hobby. Um, so if you think of, you know, like lipstick is a luxury item that sells all year round in any type of market, whether it's a recession or, you know, things are booming, lipstick always sells because it's a nice little luxury that uh, women or men can buy to just give themselves a tiny little pick-me-up. And I think that Knights of the Slice, the standard basic figures are kind of that, you know, for about 15 bucks, you're going to get a nice new figure in the mail and it's going to make you happy for maybe six or seven days. And it's just a nice little shot in the arm. And maybe you just skip having a couple cups of coffee at Starbucks in order to get one. Um, obviously like, yeah, a lot of my items are moving towards a higher price point and we're doing more high end stuff, but I always want to keep that, you know, ten to fifteen dollar purchase point, so that even in drastic times or in a recession or a financial crash, we'll still be able to have something. Uh, that being said, I sort of want, I hope for a world that has better, let's say, distribution of things, so that I have more customers. I've always uh, sort of disagreed with the notion that, you know, we have to support the top of the market 
and job creators and big corporations in order to stimulate the economy and things like that. I reject that notion outright because I know I need everyday people, working class people, people who have nine to fives. Uh, I need them to have a little extra cash in their pocket so that they can buy stuff. I don't necessarily need CEOs having huge bonuses. That doesn't help my bottom line. It doesn't help my fellow man. And it doesn't help my customers have open to buy dollars. So um, I don't really have an answer for you, Lucas Ward, but there are some of my thoughts. James Davis has a fantastic question. Best martial arts movie of all time. This is, uh, this is going to be a controversial pick. Um, I'm going to go with Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is a French martial arts movie. It has a fantastic cast. It is one of my top 10 films. It is kind of corny, but so awesome. And I want everybody to Google this. I don't think it's not streaming anywhere. You can still pick up a foreign Blu-ray. Uh, I think you would have to go to eBay to get a DVD or a Blu-ray that plays in the U.S. I don't know that it's been released on Blu-ray in the U.S. It's not an easy movie to come by, but it is so fantastic. And it is also part of the inspiration for the game Bloodborne. Um, I don't know. Maybe people would not consider this to be a martial arts film because it's got so many different themes of horror and uh, creatures and things like that going on in it. But uh, I consider it to be a martial arts film. I consider it to be one of the best, if not the best. And it's one of my top ten films. So I can't speak higher of it. The caveat is I haven't watched it in about a decade. I don't know if it still holds up, but I... I think it does. Um, and then I would say, um, yeah, Enter the Dragon's great. All the Bruce Lee films are great. Um, a lot of the Jackie Chan stuff is great, Sonny Chiba. But those films haven't really aged in a great way. And they were not really profound storytelling vessels. They were more about showcasing the action. Um, I really loved the Bruce Lee story. I watched that a million times when I was a kid. And I thought that was fantastic, however fictionalized it may be. Um, so there you go. That's some of my picks. Jake Coyle asked the ultimate question. The album or track you've got on repeat at the moment. Uh, I am listening to nonstop, much to the chagrin of everybody around me, the new Billie Eilish album. It is so fantastic. She is phenomenal. She's 17 years old. Uh, she has a wonderful voice. She's a very talented performer. And... Her album was produced by her brother, who is also a young guy. And I think that is so fantastic that they've, they've been able to craft something so nuanced and dark and fun and poppy and danceable without the help of, you know, a team of mega producers and writers and everything else that you typically see in the sort of, you know, traditional music atmosphere. So I highly recommend that. I think it's uh, pretty awesome. You guys check it out and let me know in the comments what you think. Gavin Rader says, Have you watched Happy, the Grant Morrison sci-fi series? And are you sad that Happy is canceled? Um, I watched one episode. I actually was down in Florida visiting some relatives. And my dad had it on. And he's apparently a big fan of it. And I'd never seen it before. And I thought it was it was uh, really good and kind of funny. And uh, I didn't actually realize it was a Grant Morrison project. That makes a lot of sense now. But it had a sort of Who Framed Roger Rabbit vibe to it. And I, I thought it was really enjoyable. And I like Christopher Maloney. I think he's a fantastic actor. I think at one point 
in the 90s, I was like, oh, Christopher Maloney would make a great Rex Gannon. Like, he's got the build and the look and the profile of Rex Gannon. So that, you know, might be an interesting insight for you guys. Uh, but uh, am I sad it's canceled? Yeah, I guess so. It seemed like a nice show, and, you know, uh, I hope uh, Grant Morrison will recover from this. Gavin also asks, any favorite podcasts? Uh, I have a bunch. Uh, I follow quite a few on Patreon. It's become a really great platform for podcasts. Uh, The biggest one that I always religiously listen to and have gone back and listened to all hundreds of their podcasts is Chapo Trap House. I think they're fantastic. They have radicalized me in a a violent and dangerous way. Um, Yeah, But Still is really great and funny as well. I feel like by listening Yeah, But Still, I'm kind of keeping in touch with youth culture, which is slowly slipping away from me every single day that passes. Um, I like How Did This Get Made? It's a great movie review podcast, very funny uh, comedians, including Jason Manzoukas, who I think is probably one of the best and most underrated comedic actors of our generation. Um, I think that's it. That's the major three that I listen to. If I think of any others, I'll let you know. Uh, Travis Goldberg asks, did you ever have any interest in other career choices that didn't involve toys or comics? If you could, uh, let me answer that one first. Um, no, with the exception of video games. I think I've told this story before. I took a professional development class in, in college and I, I loved it. It was really great. And the first day they made us sit down and write in a grid, uh, printout, all the companies we loved and wanted to work for. And then we had to go home and find contact information for those companies. And I basically wrote down a bunch of video game companies, a bunch of comic book companies, and a bunch of toy companies. And before that class was over, it's about a six-week class, I had landed my first internship and was already working for one of the companies on that list. So um, I think I've always had kind of a hyper-focus on that. Pre-college, though, I worked a lot in the restaurant industry. I waited tables. I washed dishes. I bartended. Uh, you know, I did the AOC route. Um, and I think working in the service industry is really great at building character and making you appreciate, uh, you know, when you get better jobs than the service industry, because it really sucks. It's good for making quick cash, but service industry people really, (laughs) they're really the brave, uh, first responders for a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, I think uh, we actually need more politicians who worked in the service industry. I think that would do us a lot of good as opposed to Blue Bloods and, um, you know, these great dynastic political families. Second part of Travis Goldberg's question, if you could create a big budget Night of the Slice movie, who would you cast? Um, I think it would have to be all young unknown actors, but it, like if we could go back in time like 10 years ago, I think... I would want to be played by Lee Pace, who was in the Hobbit films. He was in one of another of my top ten films, The Fall. Fantastic film by Tarsem. You guys should absolutely watch that movie. It is really fantastic. Uh, I think Lee Pace is the sort of handsome Hollywood version of me. 
uh, when he, you can also Google him with a beard and you see, he looks like me if I looked less Jewish and more with sharper cheekbones and, uh, you know, not brown eyes, a nice sort of gray green color. He's a handsome man. Um, so that would be my pick for me. I think, um, assuming we're going back, if we could go back and do this 10 years ago, I think for Nikki, I would do, um, Oh, I'm I'm blanking on his name. I got to Google this right now. Um, the the guy who played um, Bruce Lee. I'm looking this up. Dragon Bruce Lee story. I it's not Brent. It's Jason Scott Lee. Yeah, I would say Jason Scott Lee could play Nikki. Um, and then for Death Knight, we would have Andy Serkis do motion capture. Uh, final question from Travis. What's the one fantasy or sci-fi world you'd love to live in besides, of course, the world of the Knights of the Slice? I actually would not want to live in the world of the Knights of the Slice because they are living in the near future post, uh, sort of climate apocalypse. You know, in, I think, issue three, they fly over the Atlantic Ocean and they go over the algae bloom, which is this giant blob that stretches hundreds of miles and is sort of killing all sea life. And the algae bloom is a very real, uh, you know, phenomenon that we're on the cusp of sort of becoming even bigger of a problem. Um, so I wouldn't want to live in Knights of the Slice. Uh, I would want to live in the world of Her, the Spike Jones film, because uh, th- that is sort of a purposefully constructed future that is more idealized. It's not a post-apocalyptic world, which most sort of sci-fi and future stories are. In that, they have beautiful mass transportation, and they have wonderful sort of public areas that are huge parks. And it's subtle, and they never really talk about it, but it is part of the setting there. And despite the technology and the loneliness that it sort of brings about in humanity, they actually live in a really wonderful world. Jake Coyle asks, what modern comics do you read? And my answer is not many. I did just get um, Before Watchmen Omnibus, which is this huge, thick book, hundreds and hundreds of pages, of the sort of prequel stories that are more contemporary for the Watchmen mythos. Um, Been on a Watchmen kick lately in anticipation for the HBO series this fall. So I figured um, now that they're all collected, I'd go back and read those. Um, Other than that, I don't really pick up modern comics. I haven't followed them for decades. And I'm kind of a 25-cent bin guy. I just like, you know, leafing through long boxes and just picking out... um, Whatever it is, I can find for cheap. Cam asks, what's the best dipping sauce for pizza crust? Hint, there's only one correct answer. Um, My answer is marinara sauce. Pizza is so good as it is, it doesn't need shit like ranch dressing or goddamn, you know, toaster strudel paste. Like, it's pizza. It's perfect. The the ancient Etlians gave it to us in its form because it was food perfected. So we don't need anything else. 
You just need to dip it in marinara sauce if you can't take your pizza bones dry. David White asks an actually great question. If you wear a suit to work, what color would it be? And um, I do think, like, overall, as a society, we failed in terms of teaching basic, um, you know, basic etiquette for dressing for men. I know it's sort of very cool to be in leisure wear, which I enjoy, but there is a, a real power in wearing a suit properly. What I would tell people who want to buy a suit, uh, you know, male or female, uh, I would stick to three places to shop, and that would be Muji, Uniqlo, and J. Crew. Um, the reason I'm picking these three is because that way you're going to get a fairly modern cut with modern number of buttons and fit and everything else. And you'll be good for about five to ten years if you buy from one of those stores. Because they're they're usually ahead of the trend in terms of what you want in a suit. Um, a suit is not a small investment, but you can get away with buying one for about $150 to $250, and you will have a really, really nice full-quality suit. Don't go to places like Men's Warehouse or the tuxedo shop at the mall that you went to for prom. Ignore those places. You want to look for all cotton. You, I personally like the um, the sort of uh, washed, pre-washed cotton. It's um, a little less neater in its appearance, a little less crisp, but they travel really well and they're very light and airy. Um, if you're only going to have one suit, you should do charcoal, dark, dark gray. And the reason is Charcoal kind of matches everything. Um, you can get away with wearing gray shoes. You can get away with wearing blue shoes. Um, you can wear sort of leather colors. You can match your belt to it. Charcoal is a very good uh, sort of signature color for suits that is very versatile. Ideally, you want to work your way up to having three suits. You want to have charcoal. You want to have black and you want to have blue. Um, but if you have to pick, go charcoal. Uh, black sort of comes and goes from popularity, but you will have black tie events, and you'll have fancier events that you will need to have a black suit for. It's also kind of more appropriate for funerals, uh, wakes, things like that, to wear to wear a black suit. Um, so, you know, if you stick to those basic parameters, you're going to be okay. And the problem is, I think most guys bought one suit when they were 18 and it just sits in their closet and they break it out for, you know, every time they have to go to court, um, for traffic violations or, you know, custody suits, whatever. Um, but if you just kind of invest in one as an adult and you get it from one of those stores, you're going to be set for quite a while. Also use tailors like, it's okay to buy a suit that's a little short in the legs or that is, you know, a little long in the arm length. Um, tailors are very cheap and these guys know what they're doing. This is their their craft. So they will measure you and they will find the perfect fit. And I think, uh, you know, I always look as at a suit as being a superhero costume. You know, this is your armor. This is like when you're going super saiyan, this is a... Uh, how you make that transformation happen. So 
I can't state highly enough that every guy should sort of know these things, be competent in them, and uh, don't be afraid to throw one on every now and then. Also, I want to uh, just add to Cam's question about pizza. I am Italian. My last name's Distazio, so I am the authority when it comes to what you should be dipping pizza bones in. And that is, this is now officially law of not just the land, law of the world. Jake Taylor Baxter asks, do you enjoy cucking? Uh, no, I don't, but uh, I do think you're telling on yourself with that question. Brandon Michael Barker says, roller skating or bowling and why? Um, so I have a weird skill with roller skating and rollerblading in that I've never practiced it, but I'm very good at it. And it's kind of a shitty superpower to have. It's not one I asked for. I don't even particularly enjoy doing either of those. But for whatever reason, when I get some blades or skates under my soles, I glide like an angel. And it doesn't make sense. This is not the gift I asked for. Uh, but it is what I've been bestowed with. So um, I'm going to go with that. Bowling, I'm not very good at. And it hurts my arm after a while. So I think uh, I think that's my answer. I'm going roller skating. Plus, way better music. Although there is black lights at bowling, and that's kind of a, a plus. So before I leave, I did want to say, uh, I did want to elaborate on the first comic book question from Jason Decker. And I thought it was a, a wonderful anecdote that I wanted to share, just in time for Father's Day. Uh, because I think a lot of people share stories about their stuff being thrown away by their parents. And that actually did happen to me, too. I did have a stepmom who threw away all my toys and baby photos and weird stuff like that. But um, I did want to highlight uh, my dad in, in one of his finest acts. Um, so my father was a uh, police officer, and he was also on the weekends an antique dealer. And him and I would drive to New York City, and we'd set up, and he'd sell antiques, and I'd sell toys and comics. And I sort of learned the hustle of selling collectibles then. Uh, but um, when he was a cop, he had the late shift, so he would be out all night, and he was kind of a night owl. And he made friends with the guys at the recycling plant. This was when, you know, this was probably mid-80s, so recycling was just becoming a thing. And um, he would go, and they would let him pick boxes and boxes full of the comics that had sort of been unsold and were sort of on the line to be mashed into pulp and, and kind of recycled. And my dad was so generous and, and would just scoop up all these comics and then bring them to me. And it was like, it was like Christmas every day when he would do this. And I would just have these big banker boxes full of all these issues. And um, in truth, it was never anything really good because it was the stuff that didn't sell on the newsstand. So um, it was a lot of DC because I think Marvel was kind of really far ahead of them at that point in terms of sales. Um, a lot of like Green Lantern, I remember was there, the Emerald Dawn sort of miniseries, which was really fantastic. Um, a lot of Justice League. I think that's where I really got to love the sort of uh, Keith Giffen era and the Bart Sears era of Justice League. 
Um, I'm trying to think what else was in there. Eh. A lot of Batman. There was a lot of like Detective Comics and Batman, which were a little too edgy for me. I was still kind of in the Archie Ninja Turtle phase of my life. But, um, you know, as you get older, you start to, th you spend kind of, or I spent anyway, my late teens and 20s just resenting my parents and thinking about all the wrongs they did. Uh, and then you kind of get close to 40 and you start to think about, well, it wasn't all bad. Here's a couple good instances. And I always think fondly on that, uh, those comic picks up, pickups. I think, you know, that shows a parent that's like in tune with what his kid is into and, uh, you know, helping sort of feed the passion and the hobby. And, you know, I don't think I would, uh, would I be doing this right now and sort of writing my own mini comics and, you know, creating my own characters if I wasn't exposed to such a wealth of back issues? I don't know. You know, I think it was kind of an important ingredient at a really pivotal, pivotal time. Um, so I thought I'd share that with you. I think it's a nice little story to end this Distaza pot on. Uh, just to recap with our normal stuff, uh, we are closing in on 100 patrons. When we get to 100 patrons, I'm going to open up the design a night tournament day de delicioso in which all of us will vote democratically on what a new style of night will be. You can pick from all the different styles. We're going to pick the colors. We're going to pick the accessories, the paint apps. Um, it will be open to patrons only. So if you're not a patron, you need to join us. As of today, we're at 74, so that means we're one new patron away from revealing the next Toy Pizza Con exclusive. Uh, patrons have been able to pre-order the first Toy Pizza Con exclusive already, and if you join us, you could do that too. It's really fantastic. Uh, then beyond that, uh, make sure you are you have checked either interested or attending the Toy Pizza Con Facebook event page. That is going to be the home base where we post our live stream links and, you know, all the data and info you're going to need to participate, even if you're not going to be there on site. Other than that, Action Figure of the Month for June is getting packed up right now. Should be heading out next week, mid-next week. So, you know, we're about two weeks away at most from people having the June figure in their hands. And I got to tell you, could be our best one yet, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, so, the only thing left to say, my friends, is pizza out.